Hey everyone, I'm Chris Hall and you're listening to the Downtime Podcast, where we delve deep into the gravity-based side of mountain biking. This week's episode is supported by Canyon Bikes, and I'm excited to be able to tell you about their new range of e-bikes that are launching today. They've updated their entire e-bike range with the awesome new EP8 motor from Shimano, which is their most powerful ever, offering a whopping 85 new meters of torque. They've also added a brand new e-bike to the range with the torque on. Canyon wanted to create something that meant you no longer needed to worry about chairlifts and shuttles to get your gravity fix. They've created a bike that is designed to be capable of taking everything you can throw at it. We're talking 180mm travel and a 63.5 degree head angle, combined with a long reach and short chainstays to make sure it's playful and lively on the trails. They've also tested this thing to the same standards as their downhill bike, and it passed, so it's tough. If that's a bit too much for you, then the Spectral On is their 150mm bike that's built to be more of an all-rounder and will enable you to massively increase the ground you can cover on your trail rides. They also make a 130mm Neuron On and a Hardtail Grand Canyon On. So whatever your e-bike needs, Canyon have got you covered. What's even better is that these bikes are in stock and ready to go now, so head to canyon.com to check them out. Do us both a favour and subscribe to the podcast so as you get each episode delivered to you as soon as it's available. If you're listening on Spotify, then give the podcast a follow. Either way, it's free and it's really easy to do with buttons for all the major platforms over at downtimepodcast.com forward slash subscribe. Or there's probably a subscribe or a follow button in whatever app you're using to listen to this episode so you can get it done right now. If you want to get an email from me occasionally where I'll send you links to interesting bike-related articles and videos, show you some of the products that I've been using and really rate, and send you links to giveaways and competitions too, then you can join my newsletter. You're not going to get a ton of spam email every day, so don't worry, just an occasional dose of mountain biking stuff to get you stoked for riding. To sign up for the newsletter, just head to the subscribe page on my website and fill out the simple form. Then you'll get an email with a confirmation link that you will need to click in order to be able to receive the newsletter, so make sure you check your junk mail after you sign up. For the super dedicated downtime listeners amongst you, we've got some awesome organic t-shirts, sweatshirts and hoodies available at downtimepodcast.com forward slash shop. I've made sure that they're great quality, they're available worldwide and they ship without any single use plastics too. So if you're interested in that, then you know where to go. Make sure to give me a follow on Instagram and Facebook where I'm at Downtime Podcast. There you can keep up with everything that's going on and it's the easiest place for us to interact. I really enjoy hearing from you all and I try to respond to everyone. So if you're not already, then get involved. All right, this week on the show, I'm joined once again by Remy Matea. Remy is an incredible rider who's moved his insane skills from Whistler Bike Park to the steeps around Squamish, and he's documenting it on his huge YouTube channel. Remy has recently signed with Propane Bikes, so we chat about that, about his channel, and his use of affiliate links and how that's helping him make better content. We also chat about riding with racing drones, how Johan Borelli made him crash, and plenty more. So without further ado, here's Remy Matea. Remy Matea, welcome back to the Downtime Podcast. How's things with you? Yeah, thank, thanks for having me. Everything, uh, everything is really good in Squamish. Weather is actually pretty good, so uh, I'm looking forward to go back on the bike a bit. And uh, and yeah, things uh, things are good in Squamish. You? Nice. Yeah, good. Thanks. Yeah, not the weather here. I would struggle to say it's good. <laughs> the trails are very boggy, and we've just had like a month's worth of rain in two days. But it'll dry up. We'll be good, or it'll freeze, and we'll be good. So uh, yeah, it's not it's not the end of the world for sure. <laughs> okay. So yeah, last time we had you on the show, it was nearly two years ago now, and a lot of things have happened since then. But I guess let's kick off with the big news. You've got a a, a big new sponsor, right? Yes, I do. 
I do. I'm really excited about it. Have you, uh, if you had to guess, what's uh, what would be the, the brand you you thought I would be on? Because you, oh. you, you still don't know. Because I, 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 I haven't told yeah. you yet. Because this is before the release. Yeah, that's so. a good question. So I had a couple of thoughts. I don't know. I could see you on um, like a Canadian brand like Rocky. Um, maybe somewhere like evil or i don't know could be completely left field something I, i'd never even think of i don't know <laughs> no you you're a bit cold on it um <laughs> so i'm riding for prop and bikes for 2021 ah, nice. and beyond yeah and i'm extremely excited um so basically it started in like around the month of may i knew i needed something new for for my career i was um I was getting a bit, you know, bored of riding the same, you know, same platforms, same bikes, um, and and you know, nothing wrong with the bikes. It's just that my job is to go out, ride my bike, you know, basically every day, do contents, and having a new bike, a new brand, and stuff is something really motivating. And I didn't want to be in a situation where I start to get, you know, bored basically. Yeah. So I really wanted something new. And so I was looking out for, you know, a brand that, um, you know, those all kind of bikes, cause I mostly ride trail bikes now, but my first love is, you know, Donnie riding. And so I need the brand that makes Donnie bikes as well as trail bikes and the trail bikes and the Donnie bike have to fit me. I'm a smaller guy and I don't want to be affiliated with a brand that uh, only those 29ers. Okay. Because that's, that just doesn't suit me. Um, I'm a much better rider when I up on a, on a mullet bike or even 27.5. So to me, that was really important. Um, so that's, you know, like kind of limited a lot, uh, amount of companies cause not very, uh, I mean, we all know it's coming and a lot of big brands are going to release some mullet bikes, but as of right now, there is not that many bikes out there that are proper mullets or mullet compatibles. Yeah. There's a lot of big brands where you can't really, I mean, you could kind of make it work as a mullet, but that won't, you know, be amazing. Um, and so, yeah, so checked out and I really wanted a bike that has a geometry, well, bikes that has, that have geometry that, you know, I want to be riding and I don't want to have like a 480 millimeter reach on size medium because that, I don't think that's the way the industry should go. Um, so I really focused on suspension design, geometry, wheel sizes, and uh, and yeah. And then, you know, I ended up chatting with, with Propane and, and I'm super excited. I got the bikes and I started to ride on them and film. And uh, yeah, I'm super, super happy of the choice. My mechanic nice. that uh, built the bike was, you know, super impressed with, you know, how the bike's designed, the quality of it. Um, so yeah, I'm super excited. The bike look really good and, uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to, uh, to work with the companies. Uh, the athlete manager has been awesome so far and, uh, and yeah, I'm super excited. Awesome. Yeah. That's exciting news. So, so how do you go about that then? So you've, you've looked around in the market, you know, kind of roughly what you want as far as the bike goes, then what do you do? Like, how do you, how do you get in touch? What do you send them? It's funny, but it's, it's exactly like going and buying a bike. You, 
you just, you know, make your research. You look what product you enjoy, like what product you like, what geometry will fit you and you know, what bike you can see yourself riding and having fun on. And from there, it's exactly like going to a bike shop where you, you know, you look for the, once you've picked up the, you know, the model and the brand you want, you look for, you know, what dealership has it. Well, for sponsorship, it's a bit the same. Once you figure out, you know, what brands you like, you go out and reach out uh, to the brand or the brand can come to you. Uh, you know, it works both ways. Um, and, and from there, you know, you, you have a, a conversation. And, you know, if you get along with, uh, with the people behind the company and if your plans align with the company's plans, from there, you know, it's uh, just, uh, just a conversation really. And, uh, and yeah, so that's what happened with propane. Uh, I was, I was really stuck because they, uh, they were super transparent on their plans for the new bikes. They are very driven on, on the product side. It's not like a marketing company that just wants to do, uh, you know, good looking bikes. They really focused on, you know, trying to make the best bike uh, possible. And to me, like my, one of my criteria was to know exactly what they were planning in terms of bikes, because, you know, at the time we, we chat from the time I start to ride the bike, it's, you know, it can be six months. And, you know, as a pro athlete, you usually get the bikes before the customers. So mm -hmm. bikes that will be released, you know, let's say in 2022, I uh, usually pro riders get them in 2021. And so from there, I really wanted to know the geometries and, and, you know, and they've been super transparent about it, which to me was super important. Some other brands I've been chatting with will not um, leak any information regarding their future bikes okay. or like the absolute minimum. And I'm like, well, you know, we, we're talking for me to be able to ride your bikes, but I'd like to know how the bike is going to look like, you know, what's going to be the travel, what's going to be the geometry and, and people, you know, will be like super, uh, secret about it. And, and I know they have that reason, but you know, if I sign an NDA, which is a non-disclosure agreement, that means that legally I'm not able to talk about it. Um, yeah. but some, you know, so that's what I did with, with propane. I signed an NDA and they, you know, they showed me like the information I, I wanted to see. And, and to me, that was really important. Some other brands just don't want to do it. And I think it's not a good way to go about it. Uh, so yeah, that's one of the, one of the many reasons why I'm super stoked. I think, cool. uh, I think the bikes are getting, well, in the media, they're getting really good press right now. People are really excited to see the bikes. So yeah, I think it's going to be a, a great, uh, a great time. What, what sort of things do they expect from you then? Cause I mean, you've got a lot of different things that you can offer a brand, um, as far as exposure, but also product feedback and product testing, like what kind of stuff I guess effectively is in the contract between you guys for you to, to deliver to them. Well, basically the, the way, like the contract is, is basically just putting on paper what we uh, chatted before. And so basically with, with, you know, propane or any of my other partner, it's mostly me doing my thing and promoting the best I can, their brand and their product. Mm -hmm. So the like propane has the interest of like, they want to sponsor me because they've seen what I've done on the in the past. They've seen, you know, like the videos I've been putting out and stuff. So, what they expect is me to do, you know, something similar on their bike and promoting the best image possible of their bikes. 
so it's pretty it's pretty simple and like in my contract you know it's 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 really common sense it's um you know helping out with uh testing product feedback um you know promoting the bike locally and internationally at you know events uh doing video talking about the bike um you know being available to do photo shoots video shoots all, all that kind of stuff really and it's basically the same with with any partner Awesome. And I, I see this afternoon as well, they've just uh, announced that Phil Atwell is going to be coming back to them to to do his own sort of thing as well, putting together his own program to do World Cups and things. Do you think there'll be any plans to to try and make some, some content with Phil perhaps? Uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. So uh, like, well, I was aware that Phil was going to go back to propane since, since a couple of weeks. Um, Stefan, the lead manager, had, had told me. Uh, so I'm super excited about that because I think Phil is a great guy and he's like definitely a great asset for, for companies and people really like to see him, right? So I think it's really cool for Propane to have, to have Phil on the team again. Uh, we don't have any, any, you know, plans yet, but for sure, if I, you know, if we are together at the same place at the same time, we'll for sure make something happen. Yeah, it'd be cool. You should get him over to Squamish and, set, and uh, show him around. <laughs> yeah, that would be that would be awesome. Yeah, I'll probably at some point I'll try to go to Europe. Uh, obviously, now I I didn't make any plan because of uh, of COVID, but mm-hmm. uh, I'll make I'll make some plans sometime and hopefully try to pick up you know the same timings and you know a World up and so you know in between World Cups maybe uh, we could do something and and that'd be awesome to meet you know well first of all to meet the people behind the brand of propane because obviously yeah. I, haven't, I haven't met anyone yet. Um, so that'd be, that'd be super cool. And, you know, being able to ride in Europe and do something with, you know, with Phil and with the team and with the people there would be, would be super cool. Nice. So what goes into the, the launch of like the news, basically how, how much effort and energy have you been putting into getting ready to tell the the big wide world about this this new deal? Because I remember you well, saying when we were getting getting set up for this uh, that you've been been quite busy with it. Well, it's mostly because you know everything happened like well the deal was the deal with propane was done super early. Uh, we were we were all set like quite a few months ago, um, but it's mostly you know because I manage myself. Uh, just like, just like you had, for example, I manage myself, like all the brands, all the partner I, I work with receiving all the products was a bit of a challenge, not because, not because of the brand, but because of the current situation. Yeah. It's, it's not like last year or two years ago where, you know, you could order whatever and everything was in stock. Now it's a bit more complicated. So, uh, also because I was trying to keep, to keep it as secret as possible, I wasn't really writing. Uh, I only went and like, you know, shot, uh, some photos and some video, uh, just like basically a week before the release. Uh, and we picked up, you know, a Tuesday and a Monday. So hopefully we didn't get to see many people on the trails, uh, cause Squamish is, Squamish is busy and especially right now the weather is good and it's not going to stay good like that for very long. So people really, uh, go and ride their bike right now. Uh, so w- what we did was, you know, a photo shoot, uh, so, you know, picture like bike check picture of the bike of the parts and, and then some riding pictures. That's pretty cool. Cause we went back to, uh, you know, some spots where I did uh, my videos that, uh, dropped this summer, like that shredded in Squamish. Mm-hmm. And, um, 
And yeah, so it was my first time riding against those features in, you know, basically six months. And uh, on a new bike, on a, on a brand new bike that I've ne- <laughs> never tried before, really, because normally uh, like I, I try parts, um, but trying a bike, especially from a European brand, when you live in North America is difficult. I don't want to be seen trying the bikes. I would not be fair um, towards my previous uh, sponsors. You know, that, like that, that would not be professional to, to be seen, you know, riding, you know, a propane or, or whatever other brand while I'm still in contract with Cube. Obviously people do it and, you know, but on a bike and especially because I get all my bikes are fully custom built. So, you know, I have my own suspension, my own brakes, my own bars and stuff. That means that I would have to receive from propane just the frame and then I would have to spend, you know, the entire time to get all the parts and build one, one bike just to try it. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's a lot of effort. It's difficult to do. It's, 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 you know, and I feel like nowadays, like I'm super picky about my bikes, but as long as I know the suspension curve and the geometry, I, I have a pretty, pretty good idea of how the bike is gonna, is gonna ride. Just by, just by looking at the numbers, like I have enough knowledge that I know how a bike that has 451 millimeter reach is going to feel. I know about the head tubes, you know, how things are going to feel, um, the wheelbase, the chance stays. I can, you know, without trying the bike, I already have a pretty good feel of how it's going to feel. And, and to be fair, I wasn't, I wasn't, uh, you know, very surprised when I tried the bike because that's pretty much how I anticipated the geometry to feel. If anything, the suspension had more support than what I expected, which is which is a really good thing. Uh, yeah. But overall, the bike was riding, you know, pretty much like I pictured it. Uh, so yeah, that's that's about it for the launch, and we did a video as well. Um, so we went back and and shot some of those gaps I was doing. Unfortunately, I crashed on the on the very first shots. I did like the jump several times you know, like all good, but I'm such a perfectionist. I tried to make it better and better and better and, uh, ended up crashing. I missed the landing. I landed a bit deep and it was like early in the morning and I was like super cold. And, uh, yeah, I guess my, uh, my body wasn't ready yet to work too flat. And, uh, yeah, I crashed and I Charlie lost my uh, leg on a tree. Um, uh, but, uh, yeah, it was painful, but we managed to finish the, to finish the shoot. So, I was pretty stoked on it, and uh, and yeah, three people like the video. Yeah, I look forward to seeing it in the in the near future. I mean, your your YouTube channel is clearly a massive part of you know what your sponsors look for, I guess, and a big part of the exposure that you can bring to a brand. You've got, I think, nearly two hundred thousand subscribers there now. Tell us a little bit about how you've approached building that channel up. Well, I try to, I mean, it's YouTube is a tough one. Like I think people underestimate the amount of work it is mm-hmm. because like I try to put a video out weekly and to film a video, like it's, it's, it's difficult. Like, you know, you can do GoPro videos and trial preview and even those, they look like fairly simple. They still take a lot of time. You know, the editing takes a lot of time, but so does, uh, well, the filming is, uh, you know, fastest part, if I can say, and the most fun part. Cause obviously I'm writing, um, but editing takes, you know, longer than I guess what people expect and leave alone the release part. And so release means, you know, creating an article on pink bike, 
sending it to Vital Mountain Bike, sending it to all the sponsors. So obviously I have a sponsor list, but you know, sending them like the link, um, you know, ahead of time, as well as, you know, a Dropbox or we transfer so they can, you know, get some of the contents. Uh, it's, it's a lot, a lot of time. And so YouTube is great. I think it's really good return on investment for sponsors, but for athletes, it's, it's a ton of time and it's really difficult to do like your job as a, as a provider, which is to go as fast as you can basically. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, like producing all that content and be consistent with it. And there's not, there's not many writers that actually can be consistent with it. You, I guess during the pandemic, you saw a lot of people going for it and, you know, a few months later, kind of slowing down or even stopping because they realize the amount of work it is. Yeah. How, how many hours would you say you put into creating like a, a, a 10 minute long video just to give people a feel for it? I guess it varies from the style of videos, but just roughly. It's really tough. It's, it's so dependent from one video to another. Uh, it's, it's, it's really dependent because, you know, sometimes it can be like a video about a feature, but then you have to think about the time I spent building the feature. Mm-hmm. You know, the video might be, you know, 10, 15 minutes where I write the feature with a friend, we talk about it. Uh, but what you don't see is that that might have taken me five days to build it. So it's, I mean, it's really, I guess it varies a lot. A lot of those videos, for example, that release I've done with uh, Propane where I announce, so Propane as my sponsor, as well as my other partners, um, for that kind of stuff now, I do contract a filmer. So I contract okay. someone. So it was still, you know, like filmer arrive at 8.30 AM. So time we get to the trail, we, did, we film the bike check, we film the riding take on the time that, you know, I crashed and we had to wait like, you know, an hour or two that my legs felt a bit better. Mm-hmm. Then kept on riding and, you know, going back to my garage and filming the second part, we finished at 9 p.m. or 9.30 p.m. So it's like a 12 hour day. And then the filmer is going back. Fortunately, I don't do the editing on this part. Filmer is going to do it, but I still have to review it. If there is changes, I have to, you know, uh, chat with him and, and make it happen. Fortunately, it's been, it's been awesome. And I basically never have any, uh, changes to make to, to the videos. Cause you know, I think he's, he, he totally understands what I want and he, he gets it right. Like first try. Uh, but it's, it's a, it's a lot of work. And I think that's the way to go for me is just to contract someone. So that's what I'm hoping yeah. to do from now on. It's just pay someone probably like twice a month to do the videos for me. So I just show up with the ID. I write and that's it. And then I just do the release, but I don't do the editing. So have you been doing everything pretty much yourself up to now, like doing the filming, the editing and everything all on your own? All the trail previews, yes, but I've used that filmer for probably like 10 or 12 videos last year. Okay. Um, and and it's definitely people notice, like the quality is, is much better. I mean, everything is better, but obviously that has a cost, right? So. Uh, one of the, one of the way I can, I can do this video is, um, you know, when people, uh, use the link in, in the description of my videos that supports me. And that's a way where I can reinvest that money into making, uh, more and better videos. So that's basically the idea. That, that's basically the idea about it. I could not do that at first when I started YouTube. Uh, but now with the affiliate links and stuff, I can, I can afford to do it. 
So that's been awesome. And, and, and I think it's just like the quality is better. So it's better for viewers. It's also better for my image and for my partners. It's, it's better for everybody, basically. But obviously, yeah. it, it has a cost, right? So. Yeah, I was going to ask about that because I don't. There's not that many people in the mountain bike video space using the kind of affiliate link model. But I, I'd spotted that you were were using that. Can you just explain to people how, what an affiliate link is, how it works? Yeah. So at first, I was I was pretty against it uh, when you know my sponsor started to tell me about it. Uh, but basically, an affiliate link is um, you know the the athlete as a custom link that sends people to the website of their sponsor. And if people end up purchasing through that link, the sponsor can track where is the traffic coming from. So people, a sponsor will be able to tell that the traffic was coming from my videos or, you know, my Instagram page or, or, you know, um, whatever article uh, I did. And, and so then basically the sponsor can credit me for the sale. And so with some sponsors, not everybody, I do get uh, a commission on the sales. So just like a salesperson, basically. So if I was like a sales rep for, you know, bike brand and a shop place an order for 50 bikes, I I will be commissioned. Well, that's basically, you know, the same. And it's been, and it's been, it's been, it's been really good. I know it doesn't work for every uh, athlete out there. Because some people, you know, may do some content that's really cool, but people maybe don't associate them that much with brands or their image doesn't really suit that model. Uh, but it's been it's been working out great with me, so I'm, I'm super stoked. Yeah. What sort of percentage? I mean, if you don't, if you're not comfortable sharing, then that that's totally fine. I understand. But if you are, what kind of percentage of your income comes from affiliate links and kind of YouTube? adverts and stuff like that versus like salaries from the brands if that makes sense Oof, um i'd have to do some math youtube is super <laughs> youtube is super uh irregular i find uh-huh. like right now i i feel i don't know if it's the value of the ads i know with the elections like the ad revenue was higher uh because you know companies are spending lots of money on uh, ads um yeah. I'd say, I think it's pretty, I think it's about like 15, 20% of my incomes coming from mm-hmm. YouTube and affiliates. Yeah. Okay. And then that, I guess that's the variable part of your income. So that's the piece you never, you, you can't guarantee. So, that so, that. so that's a, like, that's, you know, the viable piece at the same time, a contract with a brand, you know, usually you sign one, two to three years. Uh, mm-hmm. with, with a brand that's, you know, I think it's usually two year contract, uh, that I try to do usually two year contracts just cause it's, yeah. it's easier. Uh, one year means that the next year you can renegotiate more if you've done a good year, but that also means that there is less stability and three years. That means that you committed for a longer amount of time, which can be great. But also if you ever wanted to leave, cause you know, whatever doesn't suit you, you locked in for another year. So two years yeah. is usually uh, what happens. So when you think about it, like my incomes are like pretty stable for two years, but that's about it. Whereas YouTube, I feel, even though it's smaller, YouTube and affiliates actually can be quite consistent. And it's, it's, it's cool because it's rewarding. Like the more work you put, the more income you generate. Yeah. 
And so it's it's been really interesting. Like I, I know lots of, of writers don't enjoy that part, but I do really like the business side of it. And uh, but yeah, I think it's I think it's pretty it's pretty rewarding. Um, so yeah, it's it's been it's been really good so far. It's been really fun. Like because you can really tell when you do something if people like it, you can see a direct correlation on on the sales. Whereas mm-hmm. You know, if you don't have any any sort of affiliate links or any sort of commission, and you do something really cool, you can't really measure it. You know, your your sponsor might tell you, "Oh, that was awesome." You know, that we got so many good feedback on on what we did. That was awesome, but you don't really know how many people actually went and checked their website or purchased, you know, a bike or, or a product because of what you did. Mm-hmm. Whereas now yeah. I've got like tangible information where I know that, you know, following that video, I have X amount of people who clicked on that link. And so obviously that helps me to negotiate with, with my sponsors. Do you think having that information coming back helps you to identify what people want as well? Does it, do you think it helps you make better content? Um, Yes, yes and no. I don't, I don't really study that part because the content I do is not necessarily what I think people would want. I focus mostly on doing stuff that I enjoy doing and stuff that I think people could benefit from seeing. If that makes sense? Yeah. A, lot, a lot of the video, like no one asked me to do it, but I do believe from, you know, like let's say about you know, I've done a video about brake setup. The reason why I did that video is because I see many people on the trails that I believe don't have the correct setup and could use some tips to become, you know, to ride better, to ride safer. And so the reason why I've done that video is because I think there is, you know, a space on the market to help out those people. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of how I do it. Obviously when people message me and like, Hey, you should do a video about this. I obviously take it in consideration. Uh, but it's not my main uh, source of uh, of, uh, of ideas. Yeah, fair enough. And how, like, do you have a feel for whether a video is going to be a big hit or not before you put it out, or is it does it often surprise you what videos are popular and what what videos are less popular? Uh, on a writing video, I usually I usually know if it's gonna if it's gonna make noise or not. Uh, like the video in Squamish, I knew, I knew it was gonna work out because I, 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 I knew that, you know, people would be excited about seeing those lines that, you know, no rider had done before. So it was something new. Uh, but then at the same time, I got a writing video that I've done with one of components that I was, to be, honest, to be fair, I was really stoked on the, on the writing. I'm very difficult with, you know, with my own performance on the bike. I always find something I don't like. Uh, like I, I'm extremely picky. I like I notice every single mistake I do, whether it's I break too late on the corner, or you know I didn't look, like my head was not looking on the outside of the corner enough, or my elbow was too low, or you know my heel was not properly placed, or on the big impact like my left leg took more of the impact than my right leg. Anything like that, I notice everything. And on that one-up video, I, I was really happy with my writing, but it didn't, it didn't get as much, um, you know, hype as I thought it would get. 
Yeah. And, you know, it could be many things. It can be just the timing. It could be that, you know, 10 other riders dropped a video at the same time. It could be because, you know, it, it could be many things. Or it could simply be because it was, you know, a trail riding video and there was no, it was just like good riding, but no, no like spectacular gaps or spectacular lines. Yeah. So it could be, it could be a bit of anything really. How important do you think the, the kind of naming of the video and the thumbnail is within YouTube? Unfortunately, it's way too important. <laughs> yeah. Because that pushes people, including myself, to, I never trick the, the reality. Like, but you have to use kind of like more clickbait titles than you will want. Like, mm. I, you know, I will be like, I will be saying like, exactly what happens on the video. And like, if the main focus on the video is how to adjust your brakes, like that's how I will name the video. Unfortunately, if you do that, that just doesn't work out because you got like, you know, hundreds of guys out there competing against each other and you, you have to draw attention uh, from your viewers. And unfortunately, like a crazy thumbnail and a crazy title always works out better. Uh, and it does suck. It does suck, but uh, unfortunately, that's kind of what you got to do. Part of the game, yeah. A, a couple of the videos of yours that I've watched and really enjoyed, and they've been really popular as well, are with um, Stacey Cohut and Cole Bernier on their yes. uh, four-wheel and three-wheel bikes. What was it like riding with those guys? It was because it's super impressive watching what they can do. Well, so I knew, I knew Stacey from a while, so obviously I was not as surprised uh, as I was with Cole, because I've seen Stacy since 2013 in Whistler and I'd seen video of him before and I've ridden with him before. So I knew what to expect, but let me tell you, I was like on airline on that, uh, you know, like third jump, third or fourth jump to the end when he like whipped it, I was blown away. Yeah. <laughs> I was blown away. And, and it was really cool. Cause I mean, I've known that guy for. I don't know, seven, eight years now. And I've seen his video from before and I had ridden with him before, but he's 50 and see, like I was blown away. And Cole, I didn't know Cole at all uh, from before, uh, but I've done that. Uh, I've done a, a video trip in BC and I checked out three bike parks, uh, Silver Star, Sun Peaks, Big White. So the last one was Big White. And so I was in touch with uh, people from the, from the bike park. And they introduced me to uh, Cole, and they told me that you know they had that sponsored uh, rider, and that you know maybe I could do a video. So I've been in touch with him, and so we we met, and I filmed him, and so you know he had that weird looking bike, uh, because I was so used to see Stacy on his four wheel bike that I think makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. So I would I would have thought that Stacy's bike, you know, would be much better, but in fact Cole's bike even though it didn't seem like nearly as efficient, was actually incredibly fast. Yeah, so it's got two wheels at the front and then like a wider wheel at the back with a, a pretty powerful motor on it, yeah? Yeah, exactly. So he's got the e-bike motor and uh, it was it was mind-blowing. It was really fun. And I think it was really cool to, you know, to be able to, to, to ride with him and just show people what, what this guy can do on his bike because it's definitely an eye opener for, for many people out there, you know, you know, who have had injuries or, you know, some kind of disabilities that holds them back. 
and seeing Col like Cole had a great time. Like you, you can tell he, he absolutely loves it. And I think it was pretty, pretty cool. And, and I'm happy that, you know, we could help like spreading that message. Um, but yeah, that was, that was super cool. I was very, yeah. I was very impressed. Yeah, they were really good to watch. Another another one that's done well and, and that's a bit different is the bike versus drone video where you you were out riding with a racing drone and the footage was pretty amazing, to be fair. Yes. What, what was it like? How close are they getting to you with the drone? Is it kind of scary riding with that near you? you know, it's, it's scary because the drone, so it's filmed with a GoPro uh, no. with a wide angle. So basically what happens is um, you know, you, what, you know how the GoPro works, right? The wide angle, yeah. even though the GoPro is like two meters behind you, on the video, it actually seems like you're five or six meters behind. Yeah. And so that's exactly really what happened. So the, dro yeah. the drone was the entire time, like up to a meter behind me. On, <laughs> on, some, of those, on some of those features, I could feel the air of the... Um, uh, I don't know how you call that, um, you know, the stuff oh, that, like, that's yeah, the blades. Yeah. yeah. I, I could feel I could feel the air of the, when I was coming to some slow stuff, I could feel the air of the blades next to me. Whoa. No, that, that <laughs> sounds pretty so, so the guy who filmed is called Raphael and, uh, yeah, he's extremely talented. I, you know, I know I had, I'd seen some shot before of, uh, of race drone, but seeing that in person, it's pretty cool because we basically show up to, you know, to a section of the trail. And so I tell him, I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to take this line. I'm going to go on the left of the tree here. I'm going to slow down a lot. And here I'm going to pop over that rock. And then I'm going to go, you know, really fast. And, uh, and then I'm going to do this line on the right. And so he's like, okay. And he sits, he doesn't even look at the trail. He puts his goggles on. And it just flies a drone and he basically does practice lap. Okay. So, so he practiced the line just like a Daniel racer will do. So he slowly practices the line. Then he does it as, you know, a speed he think is, you know, the speed I'm going to be riding at. And me, I look at it and I'm like, okay, on this section, you go a bit too fast, but on this section, I actually go faster. So then he, he trains and he kind of like tries to remember the speed and then we try. So then I ride and, uh, and usually it takes an average of like two to three shots to get it the way we did during the video. Okay. So, and some of the shots were first try. Yeah. So it's a lot of work then really to get, get the footage in that way, but it's, it's totally unique in how it looks. We probably did one battery per shot. <laughs> so, cause that uses a lot of battery, not the GoPro, like the, the drone battery. Because they have to yeah. be super light in order to be able to fly super easily. Uh, so you basically, like, you, you'd have to change the battery for every shot. Yeah. Which is pretty wow. insane. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think we'll see more use of drones in video like that? I've seen bits and pieces of it. I think that's probably one of the best examples out there. Well, it's definitely, like, those drones are getting better and better, and I guess they are getting more accessible and more accessible to everybody. And for filmers, I believe they're really fun. You know, it's kind of like a video game, right? So yeah. I, th I think a lot of people are getting into it. So I do think we're going to see more and more. But I, I really uh, invite, you know, like listeners to check out the work of, uh, of Raphael. Uh, his name mm -hmm. on Instagram is Flow Motion Aerials. And uh, 
yeah, he's got some insane stuff. He does a lot of skiing uh, video. Okay. And he's filmed some stuff on skiing that's absolutely incredible. Interesting. Yeah, I'll have to check that out. And uh, yeah, I'll try and dig out a link and stick it in the show notes for people to have a look. So once the video is out there, are you also then kind of putting quite a lot of time and effort into replying to all the comments? Do you think that's an important part of a successful YouTube channel? Yeah. Well, yeah, I do. I, I spend a lot of time replying to comments. Like I reply to any constructive comments. Um, anyone that's a, a question, like a proper question, I always reply. I try to reply to 100% of the comments and messages I get. Uh, as you can imagine, it's a lot of time. Yeah. Uh, but I do reply to any constructive question. Any, wow. any, any proper question, whereas, especially about a product I'm writing, mm-hmm. I, I, I always do reply to it. Yeah. How much time does that take up then? How much of your week would you say you spend replying to comments? Because that, I mean, you've got a huge following across all the platforms, so that must be a lot of comments. Uh, a lot. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I think my screen time is, is way too high. Uh, <laughs> I, I have no idea, but I work. Like, I, I work a lot. Yeah. I do, I do have a lot of partners too, so it's, uh, it's a lot of work to you know, to keep all the deliverables I'm supposed to provide, um, mm-hmm. and to keep track of everything and to be able to, you know, like deal with all the sponsor. And, you know, I, I want to make sure that sponsor gets obviously their return on investment, but I also want to make sure that the communication with me is easy and I want to make their job, uh, you know, the athlete manager person jobs as easy as possible. So yeah. I try to be proactive and stuff, but that takes me obviously a lot of time. Uh, but it's something I really enjoy, and I'm, I'm really passionate by, you know, by my by uh, by my work. I will definitely not do that for someone else. <laughs> if I was working, <laughs> if I was working for someone, I would not spend as much time as I do um, doing that. Uh, but because it's you know it's it's my name and it's my job and it's my company, I, I enjoy doing it. Yeah, fair play. We did uh, an episode recently with Rich Hausman, who uh, works for Hook It now. Yeah, totally. Um, and uh, we talked a lot about the importance of social media for athletes these days. And he gave you as an example of somebody who's doing it well. Oh, awesome. Tell, tell, yeah, tell us a little bit about your kind of approach to social media, because obviously, like you said, replying to people is an important part of it. But how do you think about what you're posting and how do you, how do you manage it? Cause it's a huge task, especially when you're at the level that you are. Yeah. I try to, um, I just try to be like the most uh, professional I can be with the content. I, like I try to make sure that, you know, every information I give about the product is, you know, completely organic and it's coming from myself and I never write anything that I don't truly believe. Mm-hmm. So like about a product, you know, if I promote a product on social media, it's because I, I truly believe the product is great and I enjoy using it. And, you know, sometimes I, like, I, I always focus on the, on the qualities. Obviously, you know, I get paid by those brands. If there is something I dislike about the product, I'm not going to point it out. You know, it's, it's, it's common sense, but I'm very organic. So I normally, if, if, if it's a product I don't like, and you know, it, it can happen, like fortunately with, with my current partners, like there's, there's none of that, but 
when I don't love a product, I usually don't write it. Okay. So the stuff I promote is stuff that I actually really like. Uh, and I try to focus on, you know, having videos that are engaging that people can, you know, ap appreciate and that you know, get attention. So like a scrub, a gap or that kind of stuff. And for the pictures, you know, I try to get some things that I'm proud of, of sharing, you know, that the action is action is good. And if it's a product shot, um, I try to make sure that it's, it's valuable for the people who follow me. And so a lot of it will be, I don't know, like, for example, I'm going to post in the next couple of weeks, a picture about my cockpit. So stem handlebar, um, you know, brake setup, and I'm going to talk about, you know, how wide are my bars, how long is my stem and why I like it. And so I'm hoping that when people uh, read the captions, they can, you know, they don't get just a sponsor plug being like, Hey, my, my one up bars are really cool dots. You know, I, I'm, I'm hoping that I can bring actual information and that people can learn something from it. Yeah. And so that's, what, that's what I try to focus on. And I think anyway, that's what sponsors are looking for. Uh, and that's what athletes should be doing. Because putting just yeah. a picture of your bike doesn't, doesn't really help. Like, I think it's really important to say why you like the product. Um, because that's what people want to know. Yeah, 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 that's totally fair. It, from the sounds of it then, you pla you're planning your kind of social media content quite far in advance, is that fair? Not really. I tried to, so for example, that photo shoot we've done uh, for Propane's, that was not actually for Propane's, that was for me. So I contracted the photographer to have access to, you know, all those pictures um, so I can, you know, then redistribute them to, to my partners. Um, I do have a lot of picture of product and I'm going to be using those picture for, you know, three or four months, uh, cause it, they are like basically timeless picture, um, unless, okay. unless one of the product no longer exists with one of my sponsors, or let's say the product gets replaced and the picture no longer, no longer has any value, but as long as the product are available, um, to the market then it's still value. So I keep those, I keep those photos. I don't, I try to, I try to alternate. I try to get the, my social media, like, you know, consistent. And yeah, I don't really plan super far away. I think the longest I, I plan is probably like a week, but you know, if I have a cool video of a gap, I usually try to post it shortly after I filmed it. I try yeah. to not all back cause then it's, it's no longer, well, first of all, someone else can go and do the same line and spend gap. And then you no longer are the first one that, well, even if you are the first one, if you haven't posted a video, people are going to assume you copied someone else, uh, which, you know, I, I don't want because I, I want to be the guys that come out with a new line or a new gap or, or whatever. I'd be the first one to have that vision and the first one to do it. So if I wait too long and someone else does it, then there's no longer any point for me. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, I don't plan that far ahead. I try to plan, you know, usually it's a couple of days ahead. Okay. And are you managing it all on your phone or do you use one of the like scheduling platforms that no. you can do it on a computer? No, I do everything from my phone. Hardcore. Yeah, I, I just That's like, it. I just, uh, yeah, I do everything from my phone. Yeah. Fair play. You're a busy man, Remy. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> well, I don't know how good of a quality it is, but that definitely uh, takes me a lot of time. Yeah. 
And do you think brands are more interested in the YouTube side of things or in the kind of Instagram social media side of things? Like, do they have a have a preference for where they would rather you focused their stuff for them? Or I, I think YouTube actually attracts to like the, the uh, people have more time on YouTube, so people right. can be more engaged with you know their host. So whoever does the video has more time to talk to their audience on YouTube than they do on social media. I think to be successful at that, you need both. You need to be strong on both channels. Um, but yeah, I, I do think brand like focuses on both. I think Instagram is a bit younger and it's cool. So, you know, you get that viral content that build like a cool image for brands. Uh, so, you know, you got all those brands and they, you know, reach their stuff from their athletes and they can build that cool image of, you know, our bikes can do gnarly stuff and it's cool. But then on YouTube, brands can, you know, you can dive a little bit more into the details and people get to know you a little bit better. They get to know your personality a bit better. So I think it's a different aspect. Uh, and I think both are needed. So I think uh, brands like shares there portfolio of, of, you know, athletes and rider and influencer around yeah. all the platform and not just one. I think it would be a mistake to just focus on one and forget the rest. I think you need to, yeah. you need to look at all the tools. Yeah. That makes total sense. Let's, um, let's talk a little bit about the, the riding side of things. How's, how's that going? Do you still feel like you're progressing with your riding? Well, to be, to, to be fair, yes. Uh, I didn't ride a bike for nearly two months, um, you know, cause I, I bought a new place. And so I was really busy with that. And so since the end of November, I don't think I've, I've ridden once, uh, what I've, I've obviously ridden, uh, you know, on propane for, for that video and, and the pictures, but that was my first time riding after nearly two months. And, uh, I was pretty worried, <laughs> you know, it's like, also the last time I rode, you know, the grip was, was good. And now it's really slippery and, you know, I was like, it's a new bike and stuff. And I've been riding a lot of moto. So I got used to, you know, my front brake being on the, on the right hand side, which is not, which is normal for you, but it's not for me. Yeah. And, you know, having my clutch on the left, whereas normally it's my front brake, uh, and being super high from the front and have like a tiny reach because on a dirt bike, you got like a super small reach compared to a mountain bike. And so I was, I was pretty worried to be honest, and I'm not going to lie, but the first run I did on the bike, was like, and I forgot how to ride, came into a corner, could not remember what my front brake and my rear brake. So I had to pull on both. <laughs> um, but yeah, after a lap, I was, I was, I was back to, uh, to normal. And I, I'm really happy because for that video and for the pictures, all those gaps that I did were stuff that I, I did first in the past. Um, and I remember that gap on Weso. So I was the first one to do that since I think only you and Barely did it, uh, as far as I know. And it was the last shot we did on my video and my shredded this summer. And I was really scared of it. I knew I had it, but I also knew that if I was making a slight mistake, clipping the tree or something that could be over. And I was really scared. And when I went back on the propane, I, I did a running and I, I went for it and I was feeling extremely confident on it. And so that kind of like sets the tone of like, okay, um, you know, 
I'm, I'm, I can still ride a bike and if anything, I'm actually might be better now than I was six months ago. So I'm yeah. super happy with that. And I went back to some like really difficult feature. I know like a few guys went and, and rode those line, like uh, Jesse Melamed and a couple of local guys. Uh, and I hadn't, so those are lines that I, I built. Um, and I hadn't gone there since, you know, six or seven months. And they are gnarly. Uh, they're very gnarly. They're really technical and big impact. And uh, yeah, I, I didn't hesitate. It. And it was a new bike. And yeah, I, I think I rode it better than I ever did. So I was super stoked. It was slippery. And uh, yeah, I think on the video, like people will notice that I was really comfortable with the bike. So I'm, I'm super happy with that. And I feel like I can, I can keep progress, um, you know, for quite some time. So yeah, really happy with, uh, with the riding lately. Good to hear. Yeah. And you've definitely, uh, you definitely seem to be finding some interesting or making some interesting lines around Squamish. It looks like an absolutely insane place to ride. Yeah. It's like the possibilities are like, you know, pretty endless. Uh, there's like some super cool slabs and you can get really creative. And that's kind of what I've been focusing on for the last two years. Uh, it's because I basically made a career out of doing bike park videos in Whistler. And my thing was to find like on the busiest trail of the world, try to find new lines that no one I think about or no one thought it would be possible to, to ride them. And that's what I've been focusing on for, you know, a few years in Whistler. And then when I moved to Squamish, I was like, actually, I could probably take the same concept and do it on, you know, regular bike trails instead of a bike park. And so I've been focusing on that and it's been, it's been really fun. Like it's really rewarding to you know, find a new line or a new gap on the trails that's been ridden like thousands of times by some of the best riders in the world, if not the best rider in the world, and come out with a new line that no one had even thought about. So it's been pretty cool. cool. Yeah. Have you built anything yet that you've not quite managed to work up to hitting? No, I've never built anything that I didn't hit, I think. As far as I know. Oh, as far as I remember, I mean, uh, if I build something, I'll jump it. And if it scares me, I'll keep building it until I feel confident I can, I can uh, do it perfectly. Yeah. So I don't think actually I even, all the gaps, like I've, you know, where I like spent a lot of time doing some run-ins and to potentially do, I think I've, I've jumped out of them. Impressive. And is like, it cool having, having the other kind of, local fast uh good riders coming along and trying some of those lines people like yearn and jesse and stuff it, it must be a, a quite a fun little uh, little game with everyone trying to go yeah. and tick off the things that you've done yeah it's definitely a bit of a, of a competition but it's cool to see you know like some of the best rider in the world going and, and you know looking at what you've done and be like was well, that sick i want to go and check <laughs> it out and see if i can do it that's pretty cool. There's uh, still quite a few gaps that people haven't done, so pretty proud, of, pretty proud of that. But now it's cool, and then obviously it's like you know I see a video of you know Jesse or Johan doing it, and I'm like, as long as they do it, but as long as I do it better, that's okay. <laughs> but then if they end up doing it better than me, then I get pissed off, and I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna go back and do it until I know I've done it better than they, and they've done it. But no, I'm, 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 I'm super happy with that. With that, it's definitely, it's definitely cool. But yeah. What does, uh, yeah go sorry, on. go on. 
No, I was just saying like, it's uh, definitely, actually that's one of the reasons I crashed. Well, the reason I crashed is because of Yuan. Uh, so one of the things that video Yuan can buy was with the body of, of his. And he's like looking at that jump that I've been looking at for, you know, I've been, I've been jumping it for a few years. Um, and it's like a little double into a slab and it's, it's a super cool spot to do pictures and, you know, nothing, nothing I like just a little jump, but there is a second landing and I've always looked at it and it's like, you could land super far at the bottom, but, the I mean, you could case it so you can make your way to, to making it, but the landing is pretty narrow. It's super blind. It's kind of sideways. It's pretty, it's difficult. It's not like some things that you look at and you just do it. And, um, Johan shows up and, you know, he rides it with his buddy, like nobody. And then he's like, push back his bike. And he's like, oh, I think I can get to the second landing. And I see him going back up and I'm like, there is no way he does that first try because he could do it first try, but that would be super silly. If he makes it, that's super stupid because that's a lot of risk. Whereas me, I knew I could do it, but I would really take my time. So I'll go, I'll do a running to make sure that my line is good. And then I'll walk my speed slowly until the time where I'm like, okay, I go for it and do it. And, it, and you and just went and did it. And, uh, like, you know, the next day I learned that he had done it before. So he knew the speed, uh, okay. cause he had, you know, he pretended he, he just, yeah, you know, was his first time, but he definitely had done it before. And I told my filmer, I was like, there is no way you are not done it before. He knew the speed and stuff. Like there's no way he would have done it like that blinds. And, uh, but at the time I didn't have the proof. And so I was like, man, that's, I, w- I was mad. I was like, okay, well, I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it better than him. So I took my time and, you know, I did it a few times and then I ended up doing it. And like, I kind of like did like a tiny whip or like a tuck and I landed good, but I'm such a perfectionist. I'm like, no, nah, I want to do it. Like I will only leave when I feel like I can't do it any better than what I just did. Someone else, yes. you know, might come and do a better whip than me and do it like cleaner or whatever, but I won't leave until I have the feelings that myself that day, I can't do any better. And so I went back up and I missed the landing, <laughs> landed uh, a bit deep and it was, you know, early in the morning and I was super cold and my body was not ready to work too flat. And uh, yeah, and I just ate it. Uh, all this because of you and because if you had not show up and, uh, and you know, like started that little competition. <laughs> I would have taken, yeah. I would have taken my time a bit more and, uh, and I probably would not have crashed. <laughs> he's getting quite sandy these days, isn't he? Yeah. Johan is super confident. Like he's always been like that though. He's always been super confident. Whereas me, I'll end up doing, you know, like just the same stuff, if not, if not more, but I will take way more time to do it because I'm, I'm super scared to get hurt. Like I, I don't want mm. to crash. I don't want to get hurt. That's how I make money. But also every other hobby I have, like skiing, dot biking, I need to be healthy to do it. And if I'm injured from biking, not only I can't walk, but also I can do the stuff I love. Um, so I'm like super, I take my time, super calculated. And uh, I normally take way longer than any other rider to do something. But when I do it, I usually get it first try perfect because I've taken my time more. I've done more running. 
I've checked out my bikes more. So, you know, I have no shame to adjust my bike before doing a gap. Whereas most riders would just send it anyway, even if they know that their bike is too soft or too stiff or whatever. Me, I'm like, no, I'm not going to take any risk. I'm going to make sure everything is as perfect as it could be before I attempt something. Fair play. Sensible approach. And it's it's panned out pretty well so far because like you say, you need to you need to remain uninjured to earn a living, right? So that's pretty important. So is there anyone else out there in that area building gaps that you've not hit yet or are you sort of setting the tone? Uh, no, there's definitely some guys building stuff, but there is, you know, that like unspoken rule of rewriting where if someone builds something and especially if it's gnarly, uh, it's with a purpose most likely to do a video or photos. And so there is that guy called Matt Bolton uh, in town that uh, writes for one up and he's been building like a lot of cool stuff. I've done actually a video with him, a couple of videos with him. Uh, but whenever I see, whenever I see a gap, like I'm going to go and write today. And if I see a new gap out there, I like something that's purposely was built. Like I'm not talking about, you know, a natural trail gap. I'm talking about yeah. an actual feature. Like I won't eat it unless, you know, I know the rider. And what I will do is that I'll ask permission to the rider to hit it and to film it. Mm-hmm. If it's like an older feature, I'll just hit it and, you know, but I won't necessarily post the video or yeah. I'll wait, you know, if it's been like a couple of years and everybody's filmed on it, it's one thing, but I, I, I try the best I can to always acknowledge, you know, who built it or if it's a gap, we did it first. And I think it's important. Like I try, like I, I don't want to get credit for something that it was not my vision and I just copied someone else. So if I go to, if I go to the North shore tomorrow and, you know, one of my, like I end up doing a gap that, uh, you know, I don't know, Geoff Gulevic or Steve Van Der Hoek has done in the past. And they were the first one to have that vision and to do it. I don't want to post the video and get credit for it. I will, you know, mention them and be like, you know, props to Steve for doing that gap first. And, you know, it was cool to, to be able to do it as well, you know, something like that. But I think it's really important to be honest and I can't stand when people just go and, you know, punch a drop or a line and kind of like take the credit for themselves when it's not their vision and their, and their work. I think it's just important to acknowledge that. Nice. Fair play. We're getting uh, towards the end of our time, but last time we spoke, you were, you said that you were keen to get back to Red Bull Rampage. Is that still a goal for you? Well, this year, actually, I was trying really hard to go. But obviously, with the pandemic, we knew it was, you know, everything was in, you know, standby and super uncertain. But yeah, I I would definitely like to go back to Rampage. I think like with, you know, my trail riding and the gaps I've been doing and the line, and I'm much, I'm a much more comfortable than I used to be on the steep and technical and under braking. And I think my skill could suit uh, pretty well at uh, at Trompage. I mean I still I still don't do tricks so <laughs> people knew they I won't I won't end up doing a, a flip drop or a 360 drop or anything like that but I think I could uh, I could provide some uh, something really cool and uh, and yeah I would love to go back and if I get an invite this year I will definitely go awesome and what about Red Bull Hardlines I know Mr. Borelli uh, wants a piece of it would you be keen <laughs> to join him on that trip um 
I don't know. I'd like to go to Hardline. I'm not worried about eating the features. I mean, obviously it's scary, and but you know there is twenty riders doing it, so you don't have to be the first one. You know, once once someone has done it, and you know you can see the speed. Like I know how to jump, and I I know how to you know I'm comfortable with that. So you know yeah. once you know once a few people have done it, and I can see the the jump the speed, and I can see you know how big is gonna be the impact. You know, I, I, like, I don't think I would have issue with that. It's just, the, the track is long and I don't think I can hold on to the bars for that long. Okay. So like my, my hands and my, and my forearm get extremely tired and I, I get super bad arm pump with that. And I would not want to cross, you know, to cross the, the ocean and, you know, take all those risks for, for nothing. I'd, I'd love to go, but. At the same time, if I can't link a run top to bottom, I mean, I'm, I'm sure I could link a run top to bottom, but if I have to like rest in between the features and not charge, it, it, you know, it will not be super interesting. Fair enough. All right. What, uh, what are your plans for the future then, Remy? Have you got more videos lined up? What sort of stuff do you want to get into this year? Well, basically the same than, uh, than last year. So I'm going to keep working on, uh, on some YouTube, YouTube specific video. Uh, where, you know, I'll go out uh, with other riders and, you know, discover their trails, their builds, and, um, and, you know, still with that enjoy free ride approach. I want to get back to riding more downhill bike. Um, you know, Propane has got a new bike, you may have seen picture, and I'm extremely excited to jump on it. Uh, and it's going to be excited. I think for me, riding fast on the downhill bike and, you know, doing scrubs is a really good way to keep progressing and to keep my uh, skill sharp. Uh, so it's something I'm really looking forward to do. I'm going to explore like uh, more of BC. So British Columbia, there's some new places I've never been. Uh, and uh, I want to go out there and, you know, film some uh, cool contents. And yeah, locally, uh, I'm, I want to keep pushing and finding new lines. So there's plenty of places, you know, locally that I've still haven't, uh, haven't been. So even in Vancouver, I know, I know so little of Vancouver, even though it's 45 minutes away from me. So I want to check uh, more of that. And, uh, yeah, that's basically the plan. And I want to make sure that I can post good videos on YouTube that are helping people to write better and write safer. Excellent. Yeah. Look forward to it, man. We've got, uh, one new final question since the last time we spoke, and that is what's one thing that you do every day that you feel benefits you? That benefits me. Yeah. Oof. I wish I had something cool to say about it, but I, I don't. <laughs> I mean, to be to be honest, I don't. I keep like slacking on on the yoga and on the gym. Um, I was gonna go to the gym today, but I, my my leg is still uh, still pretty sore from that crash, so I don't think it's gonna do anything. I'm trying to do more stretching and more yoga, but yeah, to be fair, I keep skipping it. <laughs> <laughs> There's always something that comes up and that uh, gives me an excuse to skip it. One thing that makes me... F- I, I, I don't want to lie to you and, you know, invent some fake um, stuff because I don't really have anything right now. I'm, I'm just been so busy with, you know, with, with work that uh, I've, you know, I haven't done any any stuff for myself that really benefit me. 
I mean, spend so much time working that, uh, yeah, don't really have much time out there. Um, no, I don't. I can't really think of something. Not something that I do daily. Okay. Fair I go, enough. I, I appreciate appreciate your honesty. I go. On, no, actually, I go on walks. I try to walk like every day, just with a girlfriend. Okay. You know, go around the house for you know thirty minutes to an hour, and it's been cool. Like you know, it's like an hour of time where I don't look at my phone, and you know, like off work. It's kind of the one thing I've been doing, and I want to keep doing it because I think it's important. Yeah, definitely. Nice to cut off from uh, technology for a bit, for sure. Yeah. Cool. Well, if people want to find out more, where's the best place for them to look? I guess there's a few different places. Well, YouTube and Instagram are definitely the best one. Like the YouTube channel is something where, you know, now I'm going to be back to normal and posting video every every week. Um, so YouTube is really good. I try to interact uh, with people a lot on it and, and Instagram for the daily stuff. So I try to, I try, it's been a bit quiet for the last month just because of the frame change and stuff. I didn't really have much stuff I could share, uh, but now I'm going to be back to normal. So yeah, I want to make sure that, you know, if people have questions on, you know, what I do, the products I write, any question on the writing and stuff, like they can feel free to ask. I'm always happy to, to help. And, uh, that's about it. Nice one. Yeah, we'll put links in the show notes to, to both of those so people can find them nice and easily. Thank you. But yeah, thanks for, thanks for your time. It's been uh, been interesting catching up, exciting news on the propane deal. And yeah, looking forward to seeing seeing you out there riding it and uh, and hitting up some new gaps. Awesome. Thank you so much. Nice one. Cheers, Remy. Uh, have a good day. See ya. All right, that's it for this episode with Remy. I hope you've enjoyed listening. A massive thanks to Canyon for supporting this episode of the show. They've got a whole new range of e-bikes in stock and waiting for you. So whether it's the new 180mm Torque-On to go out and get wild with, or the Spectralon to massively increase the ground that you can cover on your trail rides, Canyon have got you covered. So head over to canyon.com now to check them out. All the links you need are in the show notes for this episode over on downtimepodcast.com. If you want to represent the show, then you can get yourself a t-shirt, a sweatshirt, or a hoodie by heading over to downtimepodcast.com forward slash shop, with all the proceeds going to help improve the podcast. You know what to do by now. Please keep on spreading the word about the show. Tell your riding mates, share the episodes on your social media, forward the newsletter to people. It all helps me keep this thing going. Also, if you've got a couple of minutes, then a review on iTunes is really helpful too, and it helps other people find the show. All right, there's going to be another awesome episode coming up soon. But until then, get out and ride. <laughs>